Welcome to our last episode of the Book of Jonah. We've gone through quite a, uh, a variety of changes of heart, of changes of situation, changes of circumstance. So just going to recap the storyline for you. Remember, we've got this prophet, this man of God, who actually hates his God. And so when he's asked to do something by his God, he runs in the opposite direction. Uh, this leads him to actually end up hitting rock bottom, where he brings ruin on himself and all these other people, uh, because he's basically spiritually apathetic. And so God makes him seem like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to him. But in doing that, he actually makes him realise that it's the best thing that's happened to him. He wakens up to himself. He comes out of that spiritual apathy because God has dealt him a severe mercy. That wakes him up, at least temporarily. Uh, and he goes to the city of Nineveh, as he's been commissioned to do, to confront its wickedness. And he ends up actually preaching to the inhabitants of the city. And we've talked about how he's preached this five-word sermon and how the whole city repents and turns to God. And just to recap in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, I don't know about you, but if you were a prophet and you were a prophet from Israel, and you'd gone to the city of Nineveh, and you'd walked into there one day, and you'd preached a five-word message, and after that message, the whole city had had a radical transformation, and you'd sort of think, this is something I'm going to put in my resume. This is, this is, like, this is the pinnacle of my career. This is, this is the score. This will get me jobs anywhere I want. And so that's how I would think. I think I've made it as a prophet. I think that God can use me in all sorts of powerful ways because look at what happened when I preached in Nineveh, even if I didn't get the message right. And so how does Jonah actually feel about this? And we can actually read about that in Jonah 4, chapter 1. And it tells us, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. He became angry, and he developed a new form of prayer to God. Um, apparently, according to Jonah, you can pray and just let God have it. And he proceeds to chew God out big time in this prayer that he prays to his God. In verse 2, he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. So, so look at what he says. Can you imagine? He is, he is white hot with anger. He's got clenched teeth. He's praying to God and he is really, really ticked. And it seems ridic ridiculous to us. And, and the levels of irony in what he's saying go way deeper. Uh, if we look at the description of God in verse 2, the words that he uses to describe God are you are merciful and a compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I mean, does this sound familiar to anyone? Has anybody heard a scripture that actually talks about that from somewhere else? And we should have because he's quoting from Exodus 34 verse 6. And in Exodus 34, there's this great little story about how the Israelites are sitting at the foot of Mount Sinai and God reveals the Ten Commandments to them. And the first of the Ten Commandments was, don't have any gods before me. The second one was, don't make any idols. And so they're sitting at the bottom of this mountain. The cloud is still over the mountain. Moses isn't anywhere in sight. 
And they get bored. Where's Moses? No idea. Okay, let's make a golden calf. What a neat idea. Let's do that. And so they do. And God is, sees what they're doing and he's going to bring judgment on them. And Moses intercedes. And what does God do? He forgives them and renews the covenant with them. And Moses sort of is like, holy cow, what happened? Why are you doing this? Who are you, Yahweh? And Yahweh says, I am Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. In other words, Israel exists as a people of God because God is this way. And here's what Jonah does. is He throws these very words of God back in his face. It's like, I knew you were like this. You've always been like this. You've been like this since day one. And the funny thing is he wouldn't exist as an Israelite if God were not like this. But he's so irrational with anger at this point, he's just throwing the words back. You, 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 I I knew you were going to do this. You love to do this kind of thing. I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran away. You made me come here in the first place. And he is real. he just goes off at God. And so we might ask, why is Jonah so ticked? And what Jonah 4 is all about is actually exposing the dark side of God's mercy and grace. Because, of course, I'm quite happy if I come to realise what a screwed up person I am and I turn to Jesus and he shows me his grace. Sweet, that's, that's great, that's what I'm looking for. But then there's this other complex thing that happens as a Christian when we realise that if Jesus is like that to us and he is also like that to the people that we despise and hate. And then it's like, hey, well, hang on a sec. They don't deserve this. Do you know what they did to me? They don't deserve God's love or grace or any of that. And so the motivation for Jonah criticising God's grace is pretty understandable to us. If we were in the same situation, we'd probably say the same thing. So what is God going to do in the rest of Jonah 4? He's actually going to try and bring Jonah to a point where he understands grace in a new way. He tries a few different approaches. First of all, he tries the direct approach. Verse 4 says, The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Sounds like a therapy. Sit down, Jonah, calm down a little. Is it right for you to be angry? I, I mean, you're angry at me showing grace to the Ninevites. I mean, is that legitimate, Jonah? And what was Jonah's response? Jonah just talked to the hand. He just stonewalled him. And Jonah, in verse 5, it says, Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. See, he's still holding out hope. I mean, what do you think he thinks is going to happen to the city? He's sitting there, and we know he's waiting for fire from heaven or something really bad to fall on Nineveh. And he's prepared to wait 40 days because he preached that 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And he's ticked because, see, God's played a trick on him. He's actually done a bit of a word play here because the word he used in his sermon for overthrown is the Hebrew word hapak, which simply means turned over. Uh, You can use the same word hapak if you're overthrowing a city or if you're turning over a stake. It's the same word. Jonah obviously intended in the sense of overthrowing the city, but God just turned the city upside down in a totally different way, which can still be translated as hapak. And the same thing happens with our enemies. We pray for our enemies because we know we should, but our prayers are often tinged with revenge. Please, Lord, let them lose their job. 
I pray for their career success in another country. We've got all of these things that go through our minds as we're trying to be holy. And as a pastor, I've often come under condemnation myself from people in our church when they have relationships that have broken down and they know that I've been speaking to another person who has become their enemy for any reason at all. They become offended. Why are you extending grace to that person? Because they obviously don't deserve it. And this is Jonah's problem. He has obeyed God, but hopes to trap God into hapacking the city of Nineveh. And so God does exactly that, but not in the way Jonah wants. And likewise, when we pray for our enemies, we find that, yes, they lost their job and then got a better one. Or yes, they're now in a different country to us because we were transferred and not them. And so that fails. And so God now shows Jonah by example. And in verse 6, we're told the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. Wasn't that nice? This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Seems to be a common thing. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. And then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And so God manipulates Jonah's circumstances and then points out to Jonah that he gets more emotionally invested in the growth and disappearance of a shade-giving plant, which he had no part in providing or removing, than in the spiritual plight of a whole city of misguided people. What is Jonah's response? We don't know. It leaves us there. But what do we know? Who is this book actually about? It's about us. And the real question is how the story is a word from God to his people and how we should be asking ourselves, how am I living the response to God's question? Because that's what's happening here. Jonah is a ridiculous caricature of people who struggle with the scandal of God's grace and the fact that God loves your enemy as much as he loves you. And when that sinks in, especially when you have a fresh wound from your enemy and you're struggling with issues of forgiveness, then this becomes a really powerful message in your life. I encourage you, church, as we've gone through this book, as we're sitting in isolation in our houses, as we're looking at a, a pandemic beyond anything we've seen before, instead of looking outward at the world, this is an invitation for us to look inward because it's the outward manifestation of who we are. It actually comes from inside us. And so this message is something that we need to actually take to heart, not just tick the boxes when it comes to our relationship with God, but actually to look 
and say, am I prepared to not only accept God's grace, but to extend it to others? Because that's the commission that God has given me.